Hey, Metroplex Family Church is about a four-point mission. It's real simple. We're about extending the love of God to people and letting people know that God's not mad at them and that Jesus loves them. Also about equipping people and understanding that who we are in Jesus is the answer to life. And then empowering people to discover God's divine design upon their lives. It's a joy to watch people grow and develop in the things of God. Like Brandon and Amber here, watching them and Nick and Sarah and others and all these younger families that are coming up and developing businesses and identity and for those that are senior adult age. I mean, we have such a beautiful family of believers here, but I am so thankful that every one of us have a divine design from God, whatever that is, and it's a joy as a pastor to help you understand that whatever age and situation you're in. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for your life, and that plan is good. And, and, the, and the most important thing I love about Metroplex Family Church is the, the experiencing, which is the fourth thing of God's family. I love being a part of the family of God. You know, you can go to a large church. I was on staff of a large church for five years, and we ran over 3,000 people, and that's a lot of people. And uh, two services on Sunday morning, and 32 home groups that I was in charge of. Um, it was a big operation. And, uh, but one of the things that Pastor Steve Vickers taught me so beautifully, as well as Pastor Harold Nichols, is that we can be family within family, regardless of the size or the situation or whatever it is. We can connect to one another and be a part of one another's lives. And we need that. We need to support one another. You're not going to find the love of God and the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit from the world. They're just not going to, they're going to take and uh, use you. But the family of God, we're here designed to help one another, and that's what Metroplex Family Church is all about. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to administer your word. And, Lord, I just thank you for this unique situation that I'm about to enter into. It's something I've never done before as far as publicly, and so I just thank you so much for it. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm in a series called Foundations, but today I am going to do something I have never done before in the history of my calling, and that is I'm going to talk about the book of Revelation and actually outline it, and I believe I'm going to do it in a simplistic manner that there's not fear to it, but I'm going to show you in a simple way how we can approach this awesome book, and this book that says in Revelation chapter 1 talks about our actual identity. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and I think that we all need an understanding that the end times that are about to happen of what's going to happen as far as the timelines that are set before us, and um, I've got, I, I believe, an outline here that's simple, powerful, and practical, and let's just jump right into it. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, just listen to this. This is, and again, I would encourage you as I, as I, as I get into this, that there are 22 chapters of this book, and basically, if you read the first three chapters, specifically, we're going to go from chapter 1, you go to chapter 2, and it outlines the seven churches, or seven styles of churches, that we are in the church age, and so what the Lord beautifully does in chapter 2 is he outlines the actual church age and carries it on into chapter 3. And there's seven descriptions of churches and church uh, structure that you see in these two chapters. And then in chapter 4, it introduces the end times. And I'm actually going to show you an outline here of the, uh, of the end times. And again, nothing to be in fear of. Please understand my heart, my position, as we shared last weekend, that I believe that we are not going to be a part of the tribulation and a part of the end times. But again, I'm going to show you that from Scripture and let you judge that. If you want to be here, fine. I, I want to go out with the, the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ because I don't think God 
God designed for us to be here. So, you know, some people say, well, we're in the middle of the tribulation. No, we're not. If you read the book of Revelation specifically and you read and look at, you know, beyond chapter 4 and begin to see the things that are going to be happening on the earth, that is the tribulation, and we are definitely not in that. Do we have hard times? Do we have challenging times? Have you in your life gone through things of, of sorrow and disappointment, yet had good times as well as all the above? Yes, we've had that here on the earth, but there is nothing to compare to what will happen during those times at the end of time. Anyway, Revelation chapter 1, notice what it says in verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants things that must shortly take place. Now remember, God's timetable is not you, like you and I, okay? He's not on the same calendar as you and I. Time is completely different from him. A day with him is a thousand years, so you just need to throw that out in God's timetable. He doesn't work on the same time clock that you and I do, even though we're subject to that. He's not. Notice what it says. He says, and he sent these things signified by his angel to his servant John, verse number two, who bore witness to the word of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Notice verse three. This is interesting. Verse 3 says this. It says, Blessed is he or she who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written, for the time is near. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the only book, and it says in the chapter 22, it's the only book that makes a reference that in the beginning, at the end, if you read it, you'll be blessed by it. And how many believers walk away from that blessing? You know, one of the first things I did when I got born again on October the 16th, 1983 at 6.30 p.m., Southside Baptist Church on the corner of Cherry Elm in Talladega, Alabama, 35160. One of the first things I did that very week was go to this book of Revelation and read it. Now, did I understand it? Not necessarily, but I read it. I'll never forget reading it. I was in South Carolina visiting my cousin. I'll just never forget taking the time and reading those 22 chapters and having faith in God, not being afraid, not being scared, and saying, Lord, I trust you, and I thank you over time. You're going to continue to show me. But I found a promise here in chapter in verse 3 that has been a part of my life ever since, and that is the word, blessed is those who read and hear this prophecy. So don't walk away from these things. It's powerful what happens here. Notice verse 4 as we continue on. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace to you from him who was, notice this, who him who, who is, who was, and who is to come, and the seven spirits, which is, what do you mean by the seven spirits? Basically, that's talking about the seven attributes of the, of the Holy Spirit. Again, there's a lot of things to teach in this, and I can't do it within the time frame we have there. But notice what it says in verse number 5. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from, his, from our sins in his blood. Notice verse 6, very interesting verse. It says, And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Notice he's made us kings and priests. I've tried to get Sheila to call me King Brian, but that doesn't work yet. Okay? <laughs> anyway, just a little side note. You'll get that later. And the men said, Amen. <laughs> All right, anyway, just moving right along. Verse number 7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Notice this. This is talking about his coming. And every eye will see him, and they will be, and, and, and they will be pierced with him, and all the tribes of the earth will, be, will, will mourn because of him. And even so, amen. Notice what it says in verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I mean, that is so awesome of describing our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's the revelation of Him. 
He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of the lords. He is not only our Savior, but He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And again, we're blessed. As it says in chapter 22, you read this. As a matter of fact, let me just take you over there and just read it just quickly, and we're going to come back. But Revelation 22 at the end of the book, it says this in verse 18, Revelation twenty-two eighteen. 18, it says, for I tell, well, back at verse 10, it says this, it says, it says, do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? That means don't close this book. Keep it open. Keep it before you. And ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to in the times we're in. I think you need to judge what's happening in our country, what's happening around the world based on this book and based on the future that we have in him. And quit thinking about our timeline here as just the only life you're going to live. You're going to live a completely different life on the other side. And for everyone you've loved and known that's gone over to the other side, They have no desire to come back to this side at all. They want that side for you to come to them, but not for them to come back to you. And notice what it says here in verse 18 of 22, chapter 22 of Revelation. It says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book, which is the tribulation. Notice what it says here in verse 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, the prophecy, God will take, take away his part from the book of life and the holy city for the things which which are written in this book. Verse 20, I love it again. It says, Jesus saying, he testifies to these things, surely I am coming quickly. And in God's timetable, that could be any time, any time. And again, I'm not looking for death. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. I want to be this glorious church that, is re- that Revelation talks about and is outlined in these chapters. And again, this is a whole other teaching, and I don't have time in this section to talk about it. But chapter 2 and chapter 3 list all these churches and, and outline these churches. And again, it's an awesome thing to look at that. But today, I want to give you an outline of the book of Revelation and the way I see it. And so they're going to get ready to show you what I have labeled as 10 points beginning in chapter 4 on to chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 4, after they talk about the seven churches, it says this in Revelation 1, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open, in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Everybody say trumpet. That is a signal that Jesus has come, and it says that this trumpet is speaking with me, saying, come up here, and that's you and I, come up here, and I will show you the things that must come to pass, take place after this. So in my opinion, in my observation, as I said last message, and again, it's clear to me in the scriptures, we are taken out of here, the church of Jesus Christ, and the rapture happens, which is our taking away. You say, Pastor Brian, when is that going to happen again? No one knows the time. Do you sense the time is near? Uh, I sense the time is always near. I sense it's closer than it's ever been, and I say that every time I discuss it, because it is. It's closer than it's ever been, and time is moving forward towards that event. Again, people that are dying in the Lord are not just dying and just, you know, into this uh, bliss. I mean, there is activity in heaven. There's life in heaven. There's a plan in heaven. And notice what it says here. I like this. It says, watch this. These things in verse number four, it says, come up here talking about this rapture of the church, and I will show you the things that must take place after this. And the beginning in verse two, all the way through chapter 20, uh, one, basically of the book of Revelation, you have these 12 events. And again, 
Please, each section could take a whole Sunday and talk about them. But I'm going to start with giving you a basic outline. I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, how can I communicate this for the first time publicly? And how can I do it with simplicity, with faith and hope and not fear? And do it tied into where we are today. And that's where I am. Again, uh, the first event, of course, it says the first section is the rapture of the church. Jesus comes in the clouds to snatch away all those who are with him. That's you and I, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. At the same time, the dead in Christ will be resurrected and taken to heaven. So, again, picture this as, the, uh, as Jesus is coming back to the earth in what is called the rapture. Then as we, if, for example, if it happens in our lifetime, then you and I are leaving this earth rising up and this is going to be awesome i tell you what this is this is going to be this is beyond words of description rising up and then what happens the dead in christ shall rise so that means that every person that's been buried in any cemetery or wherever around this world that moment they're becoming out of those graves and that gonna be pretty awesome and uh what an event to see anyway maybe steven spielberg will get born again and uh, capture that for you and i so we can see it now as compared to seeing it then but this ladies and gentlemen this imminent rapture is the next Next event in the eschatological timeline. It's the next thing to happen. And the signs of this happening basically I outlined in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 14. I know I'm going pretty fast, but you're talking about a lot of stuff in one session here. And so those, for, those 14 verses outline this event will happen. And then the second thing that happens after the rapture of the church, which will be taken out of here, will be the rise of the Antichrist. So I've got good news. Whoever you think the Antichrist is, he's not you know, public yet. But after we've left here, or after the body of Christ is taken out, after the church is taken away, as it says here in my outline, the Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8, the, the, the satanically empowered man will gain worldwide control with the promises of peace, as it says in the book of Revelation. And notice what it says here. This is outlined in Revelation 13, 1, Daniel 9, 27. He will be aided by another man who will be the false prophet who heads up a religious system that will require the worship of the Antichrist. This is the rise of the Antichrist. I know some people come to me often and say, is this the Pope or whoever? No, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to lead that identity to the Lord. But during that time frame, these two individuals will be raised up and you'll see their identity. Number three, the tribulation. Now, here's the thing where so many believers, you know, have this concept or idea that some people want to be here for the tribulation, and I clearly see in Scripture that we're not. Again, if you want to stay and be a part of that, you're welcome to. I just see no reason to be here. And why would God put that hardship on you and I? It contradicts many scriptures, in my opinion, especially what Jesus said in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly or peacefully. The tribulation is a horrible time where judgment is upon the earth. And it says right here, this period of seven years in which God's judgment is poured out on sinful humanity, as outlined in Revelation 6 through 16, the Antichrist will rise to power and is associated with this time period. During the tribulation on the earth, the church, of course, will be in heaven. It is thought at this time the judgment seat of Jesus and the marriage supper of the Lamb will occur during this time. What is the judgment seat? That means as believers, that's when we'll be accountable for our lives. We'll owe to God what we've done in this life. You'll stand before the Lord, and you'll be by yourself, and you'll give an account of your life. And that's the judgment seat of Christ. And I want you as a believer to present to him a life that not only honored him, but you endeavored help to help others. 
Again, my whole mission in Metroplex Family Church is not for you to be self-focused, but to be kingdom-focused, to help others to come to that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and to enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. That means our meal together that we're going to experience here at the end of this service, the honoring of Jesus' body and blood, this time of communion. We'll do that together, all of those, the dead in Christ, all of us together. Those people that have passed away that you've known in the Lord, we will all be together. We'll all be 30 years old. We'll be no, there'll be no sickness, no disease. There'll be none of that. Isn't that awesome? I'll have beautiful flowing red hair. You won't even, you, you won't even, you won't even hardly recognize me. Okay, I'll be so handsome. I mean, really, I'm serious. It would be awesome. And I'll have this supernatural body. I'll just be, wow. I tell you what, praise the Lord. <laughs> so a lot to hope for during that time. But if you want to be here during the tribulation, go ahead. Okay. But anyway, notice what it says. And after that, the battle of Gog and Magog. Now, again, when you get to the book of Revelation, you're going to see these things and you'll read about these things, but I've outlined, to, I've outlined them to you in a more simplistic manner. In the first part of the tribulation, a great army from the north, and you probably heard about this as far as... Um, with Russia and some other things. And by the way, you want a copy of this outline, you just see me or contact us here at Metroplex Family Church. I'll get this to you. It says, An alliance with several other countries in the Middle East and Africa will attack Israel and, be de- and is defeated, but will be defeated by God's supernatural intervention. Some theologians place this battle just at before or at the start of the tribulation. And then the next, the next event happens that is the abomination of desolation. Midway point of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist breaks a covenant with Israel and shows his true colors. The Jews are scattered and many of them though will start turning to the Lord and make Jesus the Lord of their their lives. Great persecution will happen during this time for those who believe in Jesus and that's why I believe the church of Jesus Christ is out of here during that time. Number, Number six leads to the battle of Armageddon. We've all heard about this but what does this mean? It means at the end of the tribulation Jesus will return with you and I Okay, this is where we come back with the armies of heaven. As it says in Mark 14, 62, he'll save Jerusalem from annihilation and defeat the armies of the nations fighting under the banner of the Antichrist, as it's outlined in Revelation 19, 11 through 21. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be captured then and then thrown alive into the lake of fire. That's going to be awesome to watch all that. Man, we have some awesome times ahead of us. And then the judgment of the nations. What's that mean? For, uh, number seven, that will mean all those who survive, everybody say survive, survive the tribulation, will be separated during that time, and the righteous will enter into the millennial kingdom, and the wicked, of course, will be cast into eternity, separated from God. But that's not the end of it. Notice what it says after this time is my favorite time, number eight, and that is the binding of Satan. All right, here we go. Satan will be bound during that time and held in a bottomless pit. Just think about that. He'll be be free falling for a thousand years. Wow. Free falling for a thousand years, for for a thousand years, and then after that, this is what happens. Then, then after this will be the last. Ba- I mean, this, then the millennial kingdom will happen. Jesus Himself will rule the world. Jerusalem will be the capital, and we'll be in a thousand-year period of peace and prosperity on the earth. And sacrifices in, will be offered to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem during that time. I think that's going to be awesome. All those things in Jerusalem and Israel that we see sort of undone and have question marks beside, God is going to, during the millennial, that thousand years, bring it all together. And the true peace and prosperity that you want to see on the earth will be happening during that time. However, there's another event that happens after that. Number 10. 
what happens after that. This will be the last battles. At the end of the thousand years, unfortunately, Satan will be released from his prison for a short time. Everybody say short time. He will deceive the nations once again like he's done, and there will be rebellion against the Lord, which is sort of normal. But notice what it says. They will be quickly defeated. And watch this. This is awesome now. Satan will be cast in the lake of fire, and he will never appear again. Adios, amigos. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. The person who's made your life literal hell on earth, the person who has been the enemy of your spirit, soul, and body will be cast away for the last time, and you'll forever, forever, ever, 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 and ever, he'll be gone and never be heard from again. Isn't that awesome? I tell you what, I look forward to that day. I'm asking the Lord already, please let me put my foot on his head and kick him in. In the name of Jesus. Okay, that will happen. And what happens after that, Pastor Brown? Well, number 11, unfortunately, is the great white throne judgment. Now, that's not the judgment of the believer. The great white throne judgment, watch this, is for all those in hell will be brought forth and all the wicked from all eras of history will be resurrected to stand before God in the final judgment. This is Revelation 20, 11 through 15, some of the most so- so- sober and sober Verses of Scripture in all the Bible is the great white throne judgment. The verdicts will be read, and all sinful humanity reject who have rejected Jesus will be cast into the lake of fire. You see, Satan is first with the false prophet, and then all those who followed him separated from God. What a sad day that is. What a sad day for those who've rejected Jesus Christ and have put him out of their life. This will be their verdict for eternity, ladies and gentlemen. But then number 12, and the last one, is you and I, for his believers. After this, this is something very, very awesome. God completely remakes the heavens and the earth. All this happened to this earth, all the destruction, the world wars, all the things that have happened. God at this time will wipe away all the tears. There will be no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. None of those things will be here anymore. The new Jerusalem will descend from heaven. Check this out. It will descend from heaven, and we will live actually in the new Jerusalem. And where will that be? That will not be here in Fort Worth, Texas. That will be in Jerusalem, Israel. And the children of God will enjoy eternity with the Lord. You say, Pastor Brian, that's such a, wow, hard thing to wrap my mind around. It is, but that's your eternity as a believer. You say, well, I hope it comes to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to come to a place where you know that it comes to pass. Some people will argue that they don't believe the Bible. I saw a video this week. I was in a minister's conference where a pastor was showing this. And um, he showed this lady who was absolutely, I mean, just attacking the Bible and mocking it. And, you know, saying that it's all these things and whatever and a fantasy and it's foolishness and people that put their faith into it, you know, are just stupid people. But I looked at it and I thought, well, okay, the battle line is drawn. You can believe what you believe and don't believe the Bible, but I believe the Bible. I believed on October the 16th, 1983, when I gave my heart to Jesus, that I was entering into this, even though I didn't understand it. And I still today, ladies and gentlemen, this simple 12-point outline, I'm here on a Sunday morning. We have men that take messages like this and teach Miss Vivian for months and months. And here I'm trying to do it in 30 minutes, okay? But I'll, I'll address this later, and we'll continue to address this later. My point is not complexity. My point is simplicity. Albert Einstein said, in the middle of complexity... 
search for simplicity. And I just want you to know, God is beautiful in his simplicity. He's not confusing, and he sure doesn't bring fear. And when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I just made the decision that I'm going to believe this book, and I'm going to believe the promises of God. And if he said not to do it, I'm not going to do it. I made that decision then, and I make that decision now with every part of my life. And I encourage you to do that because it's clear we will stand before God one day and give account of these things that we've done. And yes, there's repentance and being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But do that now. Don't wait. And don't allow Satan to play the card of legalism in your life and judge you now. That's the only time he can do that. But he'll play his card of judgment. He'll play his card and say, you know what? You put this in motion in your life and I'm going to do my job of stealing, killing, and destroying. There's coming to one day when all that ends especially his work. But let the grace and mercy of God, because what a beautiful thing. I used to think, man, we need to protect the earth. And by the way, I'm a protector of the earth. I want to see the beauty of this planet. As I traveled to 316 churches before I planted Metroplex Family Church, I saw the beauty of America from one coast to the other. It is a beautiful nation. I've been, to, I've been to Europe. I've been to Africa. Now, I've not been to some other countries, and I've not been to Israel yet. But at the same time, we have a beautiful planet. But God says clearly in his word, especially in the book of Revelation, he's going to make it all new. And he's going to do that because what God starts, he completes. He wanted us to have an intimate relationship with him in the book of Genesis, and he is going to have that. Three things I want to help you with as we close. In just a minute, we're going to get communion ready, but not right now. Uh, how do you have an eternal focus? Well, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. Just look at this real quickly. Let me just share these three verses of Scripture and tie them into the book of Revelation. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through four says this, if you are raised with Jesus Christ, seek those things which are above where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. It says, seek, notice what it says. It says, set your mind on things above. This stuff is so temporary. Yes, we need to live our life to the fullness. I encourage you, but you're going to live forever. And what you honor God with, that's why, to me as a pastor, helping you have a growing relationship and walking with God is because I don't want you to get to heaven and, you know, have to introduce yourself to God. <laughs> okay? I really, I'm serious. I, I, as a pastor, I, I come concerned about that. I want you to have a, a, an intimate relationship that when you see Jesus, it's like, well, I should have been living for him, but, you know, I didn't. I've got this life insurance. I know I'm saved because when I was 16 years old, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. You know, I gave him my, my, I gave him my life as far as eternity, but I didn't give him my life as far as the rest of the things. I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to have this kind of relationship that, that this man Enoch had in Genesis going all the way back to the book of the Bible, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 5. Notice this. Uh, this is where, this is Pastor Brian's desire. This is what everything that I do compels me to get you to this place. In Genesis chapter 5, just listen to this. I love this. This is so awesome. Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, Enoch lived 65 years old. He had a child named Methuselah. What happened at 65? Then at 65 years old, he says, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. He said, what's interesting about that? 
Pastor Brian is trying to get you to a point where you make a decision that you're going to walk with God. This man waited till he was 65 years. Don't wait till you do that. But if you're 65, you need to do that. Notice what it says here. He started walking with God for 300 years. And look what it says here in... Um, Verse 23, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And verse number 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He walked so close to God that God took him. I have been praying a lot lately about our church. I want us to grow. I want us to have more outreach, and we do do that to the best of our being. And we do, especially financially, as we reach out to our community, help people within our body, and help people locally in our state as well as our nation and in the earth. But my prayer is something you could tangibly sense this morning, is that you sense the presence of God, like it's right now. You can sense Him being here. It's a presence. I want the presence of God to fill your life, not only here, but everywhere you go. And I'm serious about that. And you notice that, I mean, you could go to churches. I've been to them. This is like going to Walmart. But like a while ago, you could sense the presence of God in here. When Jonathan was singing, the worship was taking place. You can sense the presence of God here. Because I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You knowing his presence and feeling his presence and sensing him and walking with him is everything you will ever need for this life. I promise you. And Enoch was so close to that that God said, hey, you're before Jesus. You're before all this. I'm just going to take you on home with me. He just took him. He just literally took him. Isn't that awesome? He walked so close to God. He said, well, Pastor Brian, I'm not walking close to God because I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with I know we all get distracted. We all know we all get busy. Problems are coming and technology is a, is a beautiful thing, but it's also a thing that can distract us. But we just have to keep working at it. We just had to keep longing for it because I'm telling you, in his presence is power and peace and provision and absolute answers. Don't be afraid of this book. Don't be afraid of the end times and don't be worried about your life. Just live it to the fullest. And like, anyway, like Enoch, and here's my last verse of scripture. This is awesome. <laughs> i tell you what, I, I could just, I, I sense the Lord is so pr- proud of me right now because I did this. <laughs> so I hear attaboys from heaven right now. Hey, go, Brian, because I did not want to do this. I fought this for 17 years. And uh, anyway, notice what it says in 1 Corinthians. You know why? It's not because I wasn't afraid of the book. I was just concerned the fact that I'm not an eschological teacher. But I tell you what, I'm having the time of my life with this book of Revelation. And uh, I just think I'm making my father proud. And you know what? You may not sense anything about it as far as my relationship with him. But I'm telling you what, what I'm talking about is not only true, but it's powerful. And listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 2 9. Listen to this. This is so, this so captures the heart of God concerning our relationship with Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Watch this now. You may not understand everything that's going on in your life, but look at this. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, But it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. God has prepared a good life ahead of you and I. This life is hard. This life is challenging. This life has its good, bad, and ugly. They're great points to life. I love life. I love seeing your life excel. I love seeing victories. I love seeing you healed. I love seeing you move forward. I love those that are having beautiful children in our church family. Aren't children awesome and grandchildren awesome? And 
you're supposed to say amen there. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I mean, they are. And yes, a lot of questions that we have about all these things. And what about this and what about that? But notice what it says. It says, eyes not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. That means your future belongs to him. Don't be scared of heaven. Don't be preparing to leave there now. Okay, please stay here. Let's live 100 years, okay? I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Don't die on me till you're 100 years old if Jesus tarries, okay? We need some 100-year sanitarians. By the way, I'm still making my promise. Every person that lives to 100 years old gets $1,000 from Metroplex Family Church and VIP parking and one million a month from the rest of your life will be provided for us at the restaurant of your choice. Hey, you got all the incentive. Let's do it now, okay? And tell others, all right, we're the only church in all the world that's offering a $1,000 bonus for you getting to 100 years old. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I just don't know if I can make it. I don't The people have to carry me. Listen, as long as you get here and we've got people that will come get you, the $1,000 is yours, the restaurant is yours, and the VIP parking and other amenities will be provided for you in the days ahead. Amen. And if you break the 101 barrier, watch out. That'll be another $1,000, all right? You'll be richer in the end than you will in the beginning. How about that? Only at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com. <laughs> you say, Pastor Brian, that's silly. No, it's true. You always heard me say it, that the older you get, the better you get. Well, right here at this place, the older you get, the richer you get, all right, in Jesus' name. Hey, I love you. I want you to do me a favor. Read this book. As our ushers get ready to serve you communion and pass out the elements, read this last book, these 22 verses. Hey, you may want to get to chapter 4 and say, you know what? I'm just going to read this and go through it and understand that from chapter 4 to chapter 21, chapter 22, you're not going to be a part of that. But that last chapter and the first four chapters is for your signature in your eyes. And look at the whole thing and know that your God is faithful. Your God is good. Hey, let me close with this verse of scripture. First Corinthians chapter 11. Jesus said this better than I can. Notice what he says here in verse 22. This is the apostle Paul and said these simple, powerful words. He said, I've received from the Lord that which I've delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body is broken for you. And as you prepare those elements, you simply take that cup and uh, separate that wafer from the uh, juice and just hold on to it for just a second and we'll get this prepared. Notice what Jesus said in verse number 25. Well, in verse 24, he talks about, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken from you. Broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then notice what he says here in verse number 25. He says, In the same manner, take this cup. This cup is in the new covenant in my blood. This often as you drink it, do it in remembrance for me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And then listen to one other verse of Scripture in John chapter 6 as we tie all this together. The beauty of the book of Revelation, our promised future. But notice what it says right here about our right now. This is so beautiful. In the book of John, listen to this, verse 54 of John chapter 6. Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? As we honor his body, as we honor his blood, after receiving him as the Lord of our life, we have eternal life. And notice what it says right here at the end of this verse. He says, I will raise him up at the last day. God's promise to you and I is that we be raised up. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, 
whether you're dealing with sickness or you're dealing with anything satanic or any kind of pressure or problem or worry, I just want you to know your hope in God, your faith in God, and the blood and body of your Lord Jesus Christ is more than enough. You say, Pastor Brian, there are people going through things I don't understand and I can't, you know, wrap my mind around where the goodness of God in that. I'm telling you what, Satan is still killing, stealing, and destroying. Never forget that's his agenda, but it has a time limit to it. But the grace and the mercy of God is forever. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the grace of God is not a license for us to live any way we want to. It's a a license to live and a freedom to live in power and purity and wholeness and completeness. Oh, I tell people all the time, listen, if you've made a mistake, if you sin, don't run from God. Run to Him. Run to Him and bear your heart before Him. He's merciful. He's loving. He's kind. And by the way, He'll help you not to do that again. I tell you what, that's the power of our God. I'm not the same person. Year after year, I grow stronger and better and wiser. People sort of, you know, Get, especially after you get 50 years old, they sort of hate birthdays. Man, I love birthdays. It seems it, to me, the older I get, the better I get. I mean, I look back and I think, well, that was great at 50. That was great at 40. I am in two years going to be 60 years old. Awesome. And I'm going to be so much smarter at 60 than I was when I was 20. And there's nothing wrong with being 20 years old. I just look at it like that. And one time, a long time from now, I'm going to be 1,000 years old. Isn't that awesome? And I'm going to be more handsome then than I've ever been. (laughs) So it's all about trusting in this body and blood. Now, again, I know people in the world don't do that. Like this lady in this video, remember I was sharing? I've never seen that. I mean, I've seen a lot of hatred for Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, but I've never seen that. Hatred and pure denial of the Lord Jesus. Amy Moore and I were talking about the other day. She has some people she works for that she loves and believes the best, but they sort of just keep Jesus over here. And, you know, that's sort of represented the world and people around us that do that. They can do that all they want to. But I'm telling you what, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is not just my Savior. He's my life. And when you put your trust in Him, I promise you everything will be better. I can't explain it. Sometimes I don't understand everything about healing, but I keep believing and receiving. I don't understand everything about giving and tithing. You know what? Our church attendance and our giving in August and September was just crashing at the lowest. And my, all my peer friends says, when you do, when your church happens in that way, stop your giving and stop your... You know what I did? I did just the opposite. I wrote more checks and gave more money. Sometimes we'd have like two, $3,000 come in. I just give the whole two, $3,000 away that week. <laughs> You know, I'd pay the, you know, the expenses perfectly, but I just gave it all away. And I wouldn't even tell Sheila, like, where are we going to get our salary from? Where was the one, you know, I wouldn't even bother her with that. And I didn't bother the elders with that. I just gave it all away. And then somehow, someway, it would come. And somehow, someway, Sheila and I were talking about yesterday how God blessed us with these vehicles And during that time is when I was giving it all away. I was borrowing out of my own Edward Jones account, compensating my own salary. By the way, I mean, don't please don't feel sorry for me. No, don't say Pastor Brian needs an offering. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't need that at all. Okay, I'm working on God's economy. I don't work for you. I work for Him. He's responsible for me. The day He stops taking care of me, you won't see me in this pulpit. I'll be doing something else. But that day will never happen because He's been faithful for 38 years, and He'll be faithful for the next 2,038 years. And I I started giving it all away. And then all of a sudden, we bought those two vehicles. 
Hey, gas prices are what climbing, are they not, Curtis? <laughs> you drove to Dallas yesterday. And others, they're climbing. And, you know, I've got a Vinsa. It's 45 miles a gallon. <laughs> and that van, I mean, I just love it. $10. I drive all around the metro place for $10. Some of you got some trucks. You can't go down to the Brums for $10 in that thing. Anyway, just kidding. My point with all that, the blessing of the Lord. Right now, to get those two vehicles would take eight weeks. My point is, when you put things in God's hands and give them to him, don't complain, don't gripe, and don't fuss. This man of this body and blood is faithful every time. He's faithful in this life, and he's more than faithful in the next. And I'm begging you to trust him with whatever you're facing today, because I promise you, he could do more in the next seven days than you've done in the last seven years, because Jesus is good. He's good. And whatever you need healing in your body with, let's trust him. Some of you had some surgeries. You've had some procedures. You're going to need some procedures. But let's trust him. The God that knows how to heal has not changed his mind. Yes, I had a surgery this year. But wow, that surgery just absolutely has skyrocketed my health. And some adjustments they made with my body. I'm just amazed at how healthy I am. I'm to a point of health that I've never had it since I was 20 years old. Climbing steps and doing things, testing my body like I know I'm not going to go kick a football again or try to play college football, but I feel so good now that I've never felt. And that's because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And whatever you're going through, let's hold those elements up right now, especially that wafer. And let's say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I trust you. You've been found faithful. You are faithful. And I give you my life. I give you my body. I give you everything. And I receive right now you in your fullness to work in every area of my life to help me in all things because you loved me, gave yourself for me. And I thank you so much that through you I can live and do all things. So receive that right now in Jesus' name, those, that elements of the wafer. And Lord Jesus, we hold this cup up that represents your precious blood. There's not a sin that we've committed that is not under this blood. And the new covenant that we have is all sealed in this representation, this cup. So we drink it now. Let's drink together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our ushers will be by to take that cup. And again, thank you so much for participating with us here at Metroplex Family Church. I would encourage you, communion should not be just a once a month here at Metroplex Family Church. Please take those elements. Take the time to do that. I'd encourage you, such as Brandon and others and those that have businesses or if you work for a business or whatever, pray over your business. Pray over your, pray over your finances. Take communion over these things, okay? I mean, yes, take communion over your body. But like Miss Jean and others, especially last year, the teachers were facing all these questions. Man, Walt, I was standing in the gap for these and those in the hospitals and those in the educational realm. Of course, still pray for Jonathan as he deals with these. I don't know how anybody works with uh, 16 or 18-year-olds. God bless them. I would not have the grace. I'd be at Huntsville on death row right now if I were dealing with some of them kids. Anyway, Jonathan has much more patience than I do. And I love, I mean, I love kids, but I'm like, hey, I was young and dumb. Don't do that, you know, but that doesn't work, okay? Anyway, uh, just all joking aside, you need the grace for the place. 
okay? Whatever God's called you. It's like Mr. Anderson over there. Man, him and Amy and Mr. Atwood, they can do all those numbers all day long. Hey, listen, I'm doing from one to 100. That's about my number range now, seriously. I mean, I love numbers. And I love balancing checkbook and all that, but not as good as they can. They are awesome. I mean, man, they can flow out. But when you get in your lane, when you get in your grace, and when you get in your place, that's God's peace and God's joy. And if you're not there, please contact me. Let me help you. Let us encourage you about how to get into that place because there you can run your race. There you can be everything God's called you to be. There you can endure and enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going, regardless of what's happening politically or physically or financially or socially in our world. Jesus is your focus. 